Thank you for joining us on another season of Beyond Clean, a live podcast where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Beyond Clean is a podcast that is broadcast out of our studios inside Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. We're always looking for guests at Beyond Clean, so reach out to me, your host, David Thompson, at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com or call us at 888-999-6059. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, let's get started with today's guest on Beyond Clean. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dave Thompson, your host here this afternoon, Beyond Clean with Ace. We are live here on Podbean Live this afternoon. It is a Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock here in the Orlando area. And uh, I'm not sure if you were with us earlier this week, but Monday evening, we had one healthy discussion with uh, Daryl Hicks and Dr. Whiteley. If you didn't hear that, uh, you probably want to go back and catch it. It's, uh, we did a, a YouTube video and also a podcast. Now, the reason I'm saying that today, folks, is because this afternoon I've got Bill Fellows on the show with us. He's back again talking about chemicals and safety. And so, uh, Bill, let's check and make sure that you're there again. Yep, we're live and, and kicking. <laughs> Alive and kicking on a Friday afternoon. That's that's a good thing, huh? Yeah. Uh, so, Bill, before I get into it um, on uh, the follow-up uh, with that podcast, let's uh, kind of catch people up with uh, who you are, where you're at, and what your passion in life is these days. Well, I live in uh, Florence, Kentucky. I've been in this business now 55 and a half years. Started up before OSHA. Uh, lost a wife due to a chronic reaction to chemicals we used uh, before we knew it was a bad thing, you know. So uh, I have a real passion for teaching people about uh, now the SDS sheets, how to use them, what to learn from them. And it seemed to be working wherever I'm able to have that discussion. The people appreciate what they're learning and they're starting to check out things for themselves, which is the whole goal. Now, Bill, uh, remind uh, the folks some of what you do currently, because I think that's going to be kind of an interesting conversation this afternoon. Yeah, I'm um, kind of semi-retired. I do some work with uh, some of the APA buildings, getting her APA surveys for the buildings that want to get LEED certification. Uh, but I also do assessments for ISSA for their cleaning industry management standard and the cleaning industry management standard for green buildings. And uh, we've been doing those virtually, but I did the first one live this past week that uh, first time I've actually been able to be in a building and watch the people do it instead of looking through a camera. Oh, that's pretty fun, Redley. I mean, you know, we, we really do enjoy the person to person contact, don't we? I do. I, I gain a lot more from that because you can see the reaction in people's faces. The camera, you can only see what it's showing you. You can't look around the room. Yeah, I think you're right there, Bill, because, you know, there and, and you and I, we're not completely in the same age group, but we're, we're close there. We're over in that area. And you know what? We, we still like to 
be in somebody's presence, and it's just not the same. I had a live class this past week, too, and um, interaction is just different. Very much so. Now, do you feel that the students actually gained a lot more from you being there as you were uh, going through the survey with them? Um, yeah, because they, um, they can say off camera what you want, want to hear. But when you look at their face, you get the sense of whether or not it's really coming through. Uh, and you can just spend a little time, you know, tweaking that a little more till you get that aha moment in their eyes. Yeah, you can. I mean, that, that's it. You know, the, that uh, and body language speaks so much that you can't see on a camera. Right, exactly. I, well, one I of really, the that's one of the greatest things about teaching is uh, seeing a student when they get it. Um, <laughs> you can do a lot of talking until that moment, but once they get it, you can shut up. They've got it, you know. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that because I was doing uh, some classes with some people from um, uh, a workforce center this week and last week. And, you know, you, you really kind of think people know how to do some of this stuff. But I gave the guy a mop. You know, now, yes, it was a flat mop. It wasn't the old conventional mop, but he still grabbed it like a shovel. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I would have never thought that he didn't know how to grab hold of a mop handle to mop a floor. Or a dust mop and, keep, to keep the dirt in front instead of pushing and pulling. No. Uh, right. Uh, you know, so all of these things do have a point. You know, one of the things that came up in the podcast on Monday, Bill, and, and I mentioned you by name during that podcast, so thankful that you're here this afternoon with us is the safety of using chemicals. And I'm just going to kind of cut to the chase. So, folks, if you didn't catch all of that, uh, go back and listen to that. You'll understand what Bill and I are going to talk about here. But the two gentlemen were talking about biofilms and chemicals and our spray bottles, or if you will, even buckets that we mix our disinfectants uh, in and they were they were talking about people just topping off the bottles and never cleaning them. You do assessments. You've seen things. What do you see? Exactly the same. In fact, this last assessment, I watched that happen. They, uh, they, we, we watch the people work, and sometimes we get to watch them when they're get, just getting started. And this girl was, was doing that. She was preparing her cart. So for all of her chemicals that she carried on her cart, she went ahead and just filled the bottles up. Uh, so she had full bottles going out on the floor. So I, what they were talking about, and of course I got some comments back from some of the audience that was uh, in attendance on Monday, but they were talking about the fact that especially with disinfectants, because, you know, of the reason we use a disinfectant, that you should empty it, wash it with soapy water three times and rinse it before refilling it. Because a bottle that is continually topped off grows a film, and they called it a biofilm. And then I got this comment, we can't afford to dump stuff out. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your take? Um, I talked to people about instead of using a, a trigger sprayer to use a flip top so that they can get better saturation on the cloth and that one of the, well, I, I would use more that way. Well, if, if you're using it right, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> you know. So what you're saying is we're, we've not been using enough disinfectant to begin with. And in the case of the people with the trigger sprayers, they don't saturate the cloth well enough. And if they did, they'd probably end up with carpal tunnel after a while uh, with those trigger sprayers. But uh, So I always encourage a flip top or uh, Rubbermaid makes a, what they call a charging station for microfibers and flat mops. Uh, but even if you don't want to do that, you can literally go to the store and buy a, a food container that uh, is big enough to hold a, a microfiber cloth and use it, you know, because you can seal it just the same as you do their charging station. But the idea is you have to do something to make sure that you've got good, clean stuff that's really working. And disinfectants do have ways of becoming uh, useless uh, over time and through dissipation and, and now this biofilm they're talking about, I can appreciate how that could um, lessen the effectiveness of a, of a disinfectant because it's creating the thing it's trying to kill. And that's exactly what they were talking about. So they were talking about uh, these charging buckets or containers that people are putting wipes in uh, saturating those and then pulling them up. And they said they were talking about, you know, there's only so long that that is going to be good before it starts to grow actual mold in it, as well as this biofilm on the liner and the, and the cloths. Have you seen any of that? I have not seen it uh, personally. No, but uh, I always tell the people that they have to, uh, they can't just add stuff to it. They need to clean it out. Uh, just like when you're when you're throwing a, a container away or recycling a container, you're required to at least get it cleaned out at least three times, just like you said earlier. So then, Bill, the the other questions that I got from them, and 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 so kind of you're you're kind of my way to start talking about some of the questions because I didn't get to do it on air that night because everybody wanted to go home. It was five o'clock. Um, so thank you for being my guinea pig this afternoon. Um, but you know the other other thing was is so why are we using a quart bottle? Could we use a a 16 ounce bottle that we're going to use all up. What would be the problem with that? doesn't matter what the container is. If you use it up and then clean it, you're fine. So um, some people just don't want to run out when they're out doing their job out in the field. And you can appreciate you don't want to take the extra steps of going back to a station, but you could take uh, two of everything with you and use one till it's gone and then switch to the other. And that way you'd have the chance to clean out the bottle properly. Now, you, you deal with chemical safety and chemical mixtures. Have you seen any of this biofilm building up in bottles when you've done your uh, reviews? I can't say that I have because we don't get into that too much. But I have when I was 
when I was doing my own work in the cleaning business, you know, too many decades ago, <laughs> uh, I did notice whenever I was cleaning out my uh, my bottles at, at the end of a shift or when I used it up, I did notice that it took a little work to get what was the residue left in the bottom. It kind of solidified a little bit. It wasn't still liquid. And that's what they're talking about. So folks, what, what you know, sometimes you don't see it because it hasn't built up enough. And that's the whole thing. If, if the product that you put in there is clear, and that's kind of what I like about the newer products that we've been using that I would consider more safe because they don't have dye and fragrance. You can actually see what you're talking about. But I've noticed that some of these bottles that sit for several weeks, like in my classroom, because I don't have a class, you know, every week like we used to. So, you know, before I have a class this week, I went and cleaned the bottles out and refreshed it because it had been sitting there for a month. Um, and there was this little bit of kind of a, a slime stuff sliding around in the bottle. And I'm like, okay, I can see that. It's clear. I can see that. When you're, when you're dealing with products out there, um, the safety issue, because it's clear and has no smell, people are saying, well, I can't tell what it is. You know, that's why you have a label. <laughs> well, you went right where I wanted you to go there, Bill. Well, they what they do is back when uh, when green products were first being introduced, there was this aversion to them. They don't work well, and, and frankly, they didn't work as well. But they were safer, and that was the whole point. Um, and eventually, now they've come up with some really great products that meet all the environmental standards for being environmentally preferable. And you still have a lot of old school people, including customers, who insist that things have colors and they have fragrances. We've, we've now moved into an age where other things are acceptable in the pandemic, um, although it's, it's bad in some ways, has been good to us and others. I think there's more acceptance of these kind of technologies now than there was pre-pandemic? Well, that's true. Uh, my concern is still, and, and from talking to some of the customers that we did uh, live and talking about what they planned on doing when the pandemic had passed, it did not appear that they were willing to continue uh, the practices that were there they're doing because of the pandemic. It was like, well, when it's over, we won't need to do this anymore. Uh -uh. So, so you end up with a pandemic again because you didn't do the things to prevent it. So do you think we're going to be in that problem? I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, Dr. Fauci finally last weekend actually said that, you know, COVID will be with us forever. We're never going to get rid of it. I, yeah. I, I appreciate the fact he said that I've been saying that all along, but are we going to have this, post-pandemic return? I believe that we will uh, for a lot of places. Now, you know, I only talked to six customers when I was there, six different sites, and four out of the six had planned on going uh, when the pandemic was over, going back to their regular cleaning schedules um, using the same products they've been using. But 
uh, the other two were medical facilities. So uh, I would have expected them to take a, a stronger stand on that. Wow. That's not good. Yeah. I guess four out of how many hundreds of thousands are out there. I don't know. That's a, a good sampling, but it was a surprise to me that there wasn't more acceptance of the fact we had to continue this process. Yeah, that's three quarters of the people uh, from what you are saying here are going to go back to who cares. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about the safety of workers, and that's what we do here at the academy is keeping everybody safe. Do you promote the use of ready-to-use products over dilution control products because of this bottle issue? And I know one time, if I remember right, you talked about opaque bottles versus clear bottles. Uh, I still talk about that because I watch the people using the uh, translucent bottles in this Last customer says, well, they're shipped to us this way, or they're shipped to you that way inside of a cardboard box. So <laughs> they're not getting any light. Um, but they're, in their case, the, their supplier furnished a disinfectant in a translucent bottle. And if they don't use it up fairly quickly, they're going to have that same problem. So they were using ready-to-use for disinfectants. Uh, but using uh, the dispenser fill stations for their other products. So what is your feeling? Do you feel one is better than the other? I would prefer to see people get it ready to use from the standpoint of the safety side of it, but if we understand uh, that's not an economical thing to, to, to ship water. It just isn't economical. So I appreciate that they would want to mix their own as long as they do it through a dispensing unit. The dispensing unit, based on what you, you talked about earlier, even the dispensing unit's going to have that problem with this biofilm that we talked about. So we got to relook at all of that, I guess. Well, and this is, this is some of the conversation that was happening after our podcast was, so maybe, and this lady was like, maybe I should be buying ready-to-use disinfectant for bottle usage uh, and using the dilution control only for bucket usage. And I thought that was a, a good point to make because, you know, I think in a, in a bucket, you're not likely to leave it in the bucket for days on end. Yeah. And most people, most companies expect you to wash out your buckets when you're done with them. So, uh, that would take care of that issue. And then it wouldn't have what you were talking about, the degradation of the product from uh, sunlight exposure because you're getting rid of it. Right. And then what she was thinking was uh, then buying ready-to-use product for what she's going to say. She said trigger sprayer. Of course, you and I know flip top, but for bottle usage. Uh, and that was my comment to her, just get rid of the trigger spray, put flip tops on it. And I wouldn't see that. I would say that would be a good solution for both issues. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. I mean, when you really look at it, how much, uh, fluid 
disinfectant fluid do we use above the floor compared to? Um, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way, so I can't really speak to that. But I understand what you're saying. And uh, strictly from a safety perspective and making sure that your product is viable, it makes sense to do that. Yeah, so like I know that, you know, the folks that are listening uh, to this are probably thinking about like all of their uh, backpack sprayers and, and uh, these units. Well, you know, that stuff that you're probably going to be dispensing out that whole container, you know, within a couple of days. Um, but even those containers, you would need to wash those out before you refill them. You know, it's always been the right thing to do. I mean, this isn't something new that you wash out a pump-up sprayer or a bucket when you're finished with it. <laughs> I like how you say it's nothing new, but how many people do it, Bill? Well, uh, all of my people absolutely kept everything tip-top shape. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and you and I don't run businesses like that anymore, so... <laughs> it's easy for us as a teacher to be able to say that. And, and then, you know, and then, like you said, when you go there, you, you watch what's really being happening. And, and speaking of what's really happening, I, I was talking with another gentleman earlier this morning uh, from upstate New York, who wants to be on the podcast. And he said, I'm not any longer in the janitorial business. I mainly work with food service. And I said, well, food service still cleans. I was at a restaurant this morning and the lady is turning the signs on the wall, you know, flipping them around and changing them. And I was like, what has she got in her hand that she's doing that with? She had the wet floor sign, you know, these collapsible ones that fold up. Yep. And she's grabbing hold of the foot end of it with her bare hand, reaching up, turning it. She puts it back in there and then starts well, handling people's food to put in in wrappers and bags. That's mm -hmm. kind of like some of what I see where the people are cleaning the commode and they wipe down everything on the outside and around the rim. And then the last thing they clean is the toilet seat with the same cloth on the <laughs> same side. <laughs> you know, do you really want to sit on that? <laughs> I, we, we see all these things, you know, uh, and it goes to like the microfiber wipers whenever I have a cleaning 101 class. The red microfiber is used in the bathroom. Why are you using it on the water fountain? I hear you. I go through that too. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting when we do these assessments and we, we watch what people are doing and you wonder where management's been. Uh, so, so, you know, I always say this is not a fault of, of the well-meaning worker doing the job. It's a fault of management. Yeah, I always tell people workers don't do things the wrong way to make you look bad. Uh, they actually believe that's what they're supposed to be doing. And it's your job to make sure they understand that's not the way it's supposed to be done. And I, I call... I call the process managing managing the result as opposed to managing the process. 
said you t supervisors tend to come around after the people are done and they're checking for what they might have missed and try to take care of it. But I haven't seen a supervisor yet that can see a biologic on a surface. Nope. It just doesn't happen. And so, and, and they, they want to argue, well, I don't have time to do that. Well, how long did we spend watching this person until we saw it wasn't being done right? And it's usually within 30 seconds to a minute. You see they're doing it wrong. And uh, you don't have to see every person every night, but you do need to see every person over a period of time. Supervisors usually work at a ratio of 1 to 20. So if you consider you just do one person a night, every 20 nights you're going to cover everybody, and then you're starting over again, and you see who's learned what you taught them and who you have to keep hit. So, yeah, if they manage the process, the result automatically comes. And I, I just, it amazes me how many people would still rather follow around behind people and fix things than to fix the people so they don't have to fix the things. Folks, we are working or talking with Bill Fellows this afternoon. We are sponsored here at um, Beyond Clean with Ace. We are sponsored by Jim Supply out of Central Florida. They've been providing cleaning supplies that save lives for over 80 years. We thank them for their sponsorship. Uh, the Academy of Cleaning Excellence is the organization that uh, I'm the director of and where you have all kinds of classes. And one of those classes we have is with Mr. Bill Fellows here. Um, Bill, you helped us develop this class for what purpose? Well, as I mentioned earlier, my wife became a victim of chronic reaction to chemicals that took 20 years off of her life. And uh, that hurt very deeply because I'm the one who was buying the chemicals. And I was getting what everybody else was getting. I wasn't trying to find bad stuff. And when the MSDS did come out in the middle 70s, I, you know, I was like every other company. It's something else they want us to teach. And it takes forever to go through a sheet. At that time, they weren't standardized. So when you use different manufacturers, the sheets were different. And, and it was just a real aggravation until I found out that she was dying. So uh, it's a big passion of mine to let people understand the terms that really they need to know to do their job. I'm not asking them to know every single thing that's on the sheet, but there are terms and sections that are critical to them understanding how to keep themselves and others safe while they do their job. And that, that's my passion right now. And I'm, I preach it everywhere I go in the cleaning business. Folks, what we're talking about here is the accredited hazard communication technician course. <clears throat> It is uh, done live with Bill and I. It's about an hour and a half long. It is designed for the frontline technician and priced as such. Bill, why do we not just uh, throw it on there as an online course and say, here, take it when you want? Why do we want to do it live? Um, when, you're, when you're dealing live, you get a better feel for the uh, for the questions that get asked, and you can answer them for that particular group because every group's different. 
Uh, Prince once said, every audience is different. And that's true. No matter what you're doing, the audience is different. And they all have their own ideas of what's important to them. And we need to be able to answer those questions directly. Also, if we if we just put it out there as a as a free public service thing, most people don't see value in something if you're putting it out for free. So we try to make sure that they appreciate it's it's a value. They they take it, they learn from it, and they paid for it, and they're proud of what they learned. They get their certificate. You know, they they like that. So we do this live, folks. We're saying live, uh, of course, right now, that is a, through a live remote. Uh, we've had some of these and been successful. Bill, when you were doing classes with a classroom audience, um, what, what seems to be the aha moment by most people? Well, the first thing is getting their attention because when you say you're going to talk about SDS, and what people are accustomed to, they're already ready to go to sleep. And uh, <laughs> it's even the instructors uh, don't particularly care to teach that course. But when we start off talking about the woman who died, and that was simply because we didn't know what we were doing, and this is going to help you, and these terms you have to know, and I usually tick whoever is, the highest ranking person in the room from the standpoint of the company. And I asked them the very first question to tell me what uh, the term flashpoint means. And 95% of the time they're going to give the wrong answer. And I'm able to respond, well, that's the number one wrong answer. Now, immediately the room lights up because that's their boss up there. <laughs> and, he, and he takes it well, typically, and we're able to get them to appreciate that just because you read it doesn't mean you know what you read. And the, the questions, as they answer them, if they only just thought about them and didn't actually look them up, they make sense the way they answer the question, but it's wrong. And because it's wrong, they don't understand what they're doing. And uh, so we take them through seven terms, including uh, the pH scale. And now they better understand the chemistry of cleaning, what terms to look for on the sheets, when you look for them, uh, sections to look at to tell you all the major hazards of the chemical, and the section to look at that says how you mitigate it. Um, every company always has a list of PPE they're supposed to wear. And we tell people that's the minimum. You always wear what they tell you to. But after you read this, you may decide you want to take another level of protection. Uh, in my case, in my company, I took it from, if it's recommended, I required it. Right. So it, it stepped up the level of the expectation, and particularly in the area of safety glasses. I, was, I expected them to wear them all the time, because if you say, Wear them when you're doing this job, but you don't have to do it when you're doing that job. It's easy to forget when you move from one path to a different one. So as you're talking about PPE, interestingly enough, my wife and I had that conversation this morning because I, I told her about this person at the restaurant we were at this morning. And she said, well, did they have their gloves on? Um, 
What I find interesting with PPE is people literally do not know how to wear it. And that means putting it on and taking it off properly. Do you find the same? Yes. Uh, especially when it comes to, to removing a contaminated glove, there's a method to do that so that you don't have to touch the contaminated surface. And when you move from one restroom to a different restroom, you should have new gloves. And, now, you know, you, you, you brought up a point, and I make this point, I, you know, and, and as we do as instructors, we always like to make sure we're consistent with our messages. Um, and as you said earlier, you can't see biologics. So when you put gloves on, when you get ready to take them off, they are contaminated whether you can see it or not. Exactly. So in the age of face coverings, let's just say it that way, of today, would you concur with the statement I make that while you are cleaning, you should never touch your mask with your bare hands because you've already done that with your contaminated gloves? Oh, sure. Yeah. So then would you have a problem with uh, technicians washing their gloves like they wash their hands? Uh, one of the things we recommend sometimes is that they uh, wash their, their hands with their gloves on uh -huh. before they remove them. And that, that's it, what I'm talking about. Yeah, it, that's very helpful to to lessen the problem, but you still should remove them as though they're totally contaminated. Well, but as you just said, Bill, you're lessening the possibilities because, hey, we're, we all, we're, we are human, by the way, and we do make mistakes. We do slip uh, as much as we try not to when you're talking about this. Uh, and I think that's the reason that you put on PPE, isn't it? I mean, nothing is absolute. That's true. So my other point to this is, and I just want to get your take, who does the gloves protect? They protect the person using the product and doing the cleaning. That's it. Nobody else. Correct. So, you know, whenever you see somebody with a gloved hand and they are doing the thing like the lady this morning with the wet floor sign, her gloves are now contaminated, and she's just spreading that contamination on everything else. Yeah. They act like they, because they got a glove on, everything's safe, but it's not true. It's only protecting them, not anybody else. And I think that's the thing that we've got to think about here. So, folks, you know, when you're using the minimum required, as Bill's saying, PPE, think this through because accidents happen. Um, we just get to doing things. Uh, you know, it's interesting whenever I talk about this, the average adult person touches their face anywhere from 19 to 50 times an hour with or without their gloves on. I remember we had a, a person come on in the state of Kentucky when the COVID thing was just getting started. And she's reading, um, precautions that people should be taking and one of those precautions was that you uh, don't touch your face or your mouth and then when she turned the page she licked her finger 
<laughs> the, the, hab- the habits are there, you know. Well, you, you know, I could get into some other things because I did, I did kind of delve into this, um, as you said, habit. But uh, it, it kind of was fun to find out that there is a reason that your body does what it does, and that is touching your your face, your head, nineteen to fifty times an hour. It's because your body is shedding skin cells uh, along with bacteria and other things. And where you have clothing on, your clothing is rubbing those dead skin cells off. And when you itch, there's a lot of it is because this is the loose dead skin cells wanting to come off and you itch it so the skin cells come off. On to that same point, you know, the... uh one of the things they've learned in their studies is that when a, a mother, a nursing mother, kisses her newborn um, around the, uh, the cheeks and the mouth and whatever, it kisses their hands and her toes and all that. Well, the first, I think it's 14 days of a baby's life, their immune system is still developing, making them susceptible and when the mother does that, a nursing mother does that, those things that are on that baby that could contaminate that baby go into her body, and her milk then produces the antibodies necessary to protect the baby. Never knew really? that before. Yeah, I never knew that before, but it uh, looked up, up, and it's true. It's, that's what they do. The, the, the contaminants get inside the woman's mouth, into her body, and then her antibodies go to work and put it in the, the milk that's given to the baby. You know, I, I said this in class uh, this last week when we were talking about pH, Bill. And uh, I said, you, you know, you don't realize how much your body is a chemistry set, a very, very sophisticated chemistry set with electricity in it. And it was like they were all just kind of looking at me. And I said... You know, this is why you need to understand the pH of chemicals and the safety, because if you use a chemical that's a thousand times stronger than the pH of your blood, your body absorbs it. And this is exactly what you're talking about here. We absorb things through our skin, even not just not through breathing only, but this is the way we do. And all of these things, I think there's a lot of people over the over this last two years have started waking up to some of these things. Yeah. We got uh, one of the things I, I was watching a, a video about the God's creations and the different aspects of it. And one of the things it talked about was the elements. There are over a hundred natural elements. Every one of them's in our body, <laughs> and we need them all in, the, in their balance to be a healthy person. Um, and that's what you and, and you you use the right term there, Bill balance uh and this is what we're talking about in the in the chemistry world we do use uh products that are not safe and disinfectants are one of them they're they're a toxic product they kill microbes that's what their whole existence is for but as you mentioned earlier we do have process processes that give us an outcome and we've learned how to do that safely as long as we're aware 
That's true. We have a, when we talk about that, uh, disinfectants aren't, aren't controlled by OSHA. They're controlled by the EPA and they fall under pesticides because they kill living things. So uh, just that by itself should tell you that just, oh yeah, this is a disinfectant and to keep, treat it casually is, is not, not good for anybody. Bill, you know, I really thank you for helping us with uh, developing uh, the accredited hazard communication technician course. And I'm sure that the people that take the course do. Folks, you can find our courses and this particular one uh, with Bill on our website, www.academyofcleaning.com. Uh, we have uh, all of the courses there. We have different courses we do every month. Um, you know what? I, I forgot to look on the calendar, Bill, to find out when the next one is available here. I'm looking right now myself. <laughs> I think it's I think it's actually next week, the 24th. Yes. So, okay. folks, um, if you uh, I know we had some people come on this afternoon. We appreciate you jumping on and taking a listen here on Podbean Live. We do have the class uh, next week on the 24th in the afternoon. You can go to our uh, website, go to the live classes. You'll find the schedule. Uh, you'll find the hazard communications course. And when you hit the link, it'll take you to the registration site. You can get the hours and how to hook up and um, place down your investment. Bill, anything else we want to uh, talk about that's on your mind? What, what are you going to be doing in the next 30 days, you think, other than maybe a class next week? Well, that's that's part of what I'm doing is uh, the class. We have some more assessments that are coming up. Uh, so far, they're still sticking with the virtual, um, but there's more and more talk about trying to do something directly. But with the pandemic moving in the direction it is, even if the customer wants to, I probably won't. I'll respectfully decline. I don't want to put myself in harm's way if I can avoid it. Well, I hear what you're saying. I had a class this Wednesday. On Thursday morning, I got the call that one of the students that was in the class tested positive for COVID. So as we speak today, I am in self-imposed quarantine. Uh, go get my... Uh, rapid test on Sunday morning. Uh, by the way, you've got to wait at least three days to five days before the effects show up and before it's in your body so that uh, the test will actually show something. So all things coming uh, around right, I will uh, be on the negative side of that and available for the class on Tuesday. I hope so. Looking forward to it. Bill, good to have you on. Um, Teach some people some uh, safe uses of, of product, would you? I'll do that, yeah. Even if they don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not the fact they don't want to hear it. They just don't think they need to spend the time. And I think that's uh, the biggest thing with the cleaning industry. People just feel they already know everything and don't need to. And then whenever they realize it, it's usually too late. Yeah. So, All folks, right. if you'd like to be on the podcast, uh, like uh, – Talking with Jerry this morning up in New York. We would love to have you on the podcast. Uh, we do this live whenever somebody 
wants to talk. Bill is a regular on our show every month uh, talking about this course and all the safe uses of chemicals. Please get hold of me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com. We'd love to have you on the show. What do we talk about here? Anything that's healthy, positive, and proactive around the cleaning industry or just life itself. So until next time, make sure that you keep those communications and your life healthy. We'll see you later. Thanks, Bill. You're welcome. Bye.